0: of Wrestling with the Future tonight. It's Mob Talk, my favorite kind of show. Dan, you know how I love Mob Talk. Yes, sir. Yeah, (laughs) I got a good one tonight. You know, last time we did Mob Talk, we had George Anastasia with us, my buddy George. And uh, we actually have a gentleman tonight who knows George. And uh, he is my new best friend, my (laughs) partner in crime, not literally. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) just in case the cops are listening his name is Nick Christophers, and he is a player. And I want to tell you something, brother. He is a player in this world because he crosses, transcends at least three or four different genres of, uh, of mob. And we're going to talk about the mafia and the mob. And there are some distinctions that are made between the two. But we're going to talk about them tonight. But before I do, Daniel, is let there- me introduce our special guest. His name is Nick Christophers, and for the last 25 years, Nick has immersed himself in the field of mafia and mob-related writing and authorship, cranking out one bestseller after another, including Destinies, Destinies 2, No Honor Among Thieves, Prison Rules, Mafia Ties. And he also did a stint as the editor of Mob Candy Magazine. He also pre- received the prestigious Literary Achievement Award for exceptional reporting from the leader in Greek internet radio at Kina FM. He was recently featured on the Reels TV documentary series, Mafia Killers, with Colin McLaren. And that, my friend, is how I discovered this gem called Nick Christopher's. Nick, how you doing, brother? Welcome to the show. I'm all right, brother. Thank you very much. You are quite welcome. You know, Nick, when you and I had a kind of lengthy conversation the first time we talked, we um, we know a few of the, the same characters, it seems. Um, you grew up, you know, uh, like a lot of people do, you know, in a big city, in an area where there were, uh, you know, some, we'll call them wise guys. There mm-hmm. were a lot of wise guys in the, you know, some Italian, some Greek, some Irish, uh, some Russian, depending on where you lived. And, uh, and for, for better or worse, they all served a purpose. Um, when did you realize that the guys you were hanging with were different? in uh, the, that they were not like the, regu- the other guys in the neighborhood?
1: <laughs> what, uh, well, was, I, what was the tip off? Well, my first actual honest experience uh, is my father had a cafe um like most Greeks and he uh, a lot of guys used to come into my restaurant to the place into the cafe and I was 12 years old at the time so you know I, it, it was a I didn't really realize what kind of guys they were at first they were very friendly extremely generous throwing money like freaking like it was water yeah uh, <laughs> but uh yeah but my real honest uh touch with that kind of lifestyle I guess street life I guess you can call it Um, When I was in junior high school, I was bullied. I was jumped every day. Uh, I mean, sorry, back up, elementary school. I was jumped every, I was beat up every day. So I said, when I got to junior high school, I met a kid, another fellow Greek, who happened to be the leader of the gang in the school. So I decided, you know, get initiated. I joined them. And, And every guy that picked on me in elementary school, I started a fight with him in junior high. And I, I got suspended like five times, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that was my real—that was my real first taste of you know gang-related, I guess, experience. Yeah. And then on top of watching guys coming to my dad's place, it, it was like a fusion of the two. And you know, I, I I started going down that I guess you could say wrong path. Yeah. You know. And uh, I learned my lesson, got arrested, blah, blah, blah. I've been through a lot of that. So uh, I had a kind of somewhat firsthand experience, I guess you can say.
0: That's You know what? It's interesting, Nick. And and Dan, once again, Daniel, young squire, you're going to learn something. Uh, How (laughs) many times have I said on this show that so often the guests we have mirror my life? Because my father, too, owned a restaurant, an Italian restaurant. And my father, too, had these characters come in on a daily basis. It's funny, Nick, because they never paid for a meal, but they had plenty of money in their pocket to do so. It's interesting also that whenever my dad needed help with anything, they were always there. They never forgot that free meal, you know? It's, and it's uh, and I grew up in Philadelphia. Of course, you grew up in in New York. That's right. And uh, and we're going to talk about some of the guys you knew. So some of them were uh, were very well known among circles. We're going to talk about a few of those guys tonight. So Daniel, you being the uh, you know the the sheltered kid here, <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's uh, let's have your uh, your in your insight on this. Your uh, You got one of the foremost mob writers in the country with you. Ask away. Talk to Nick. Well,
2: my first question is going to be out of morbid curiosity, something that Angelo and I had a good time talking about on the previous show. Something because we we specifically with the Sicilian and the Italian mob and being Italian myself and obviously as a couple of goombas that have come in and out of the show. um, Your your works focused on the Greek mob and you you mentioned obviously uh, in Prison Rules where you work. I'm curious if you noticed a uh, a difference in the, for lack of a better word, the the social tones. Like the Italian mob was always everybody had a nickname, everybody had a catch, you know, a uh, uh, Nicky, little little. You know, where where the, the the Greek mob doesn't seem to have that that fan, um, same narrative. I was wondering if you could kind of compare and contrast the the social structures. Yeah,
0: Nick, I think what Dan is asking is, does does the Greek mob have their version of Fat Tony
1: and (laughs) Little Nicky and Skinny Joey? Yes, actually, they do. There you Uh, go. Yeah, they had Little Spiro, they had uh, Teddy the General, um, they had, uh, uh, what do you call, it was the other guy's name, they had uh, Fat Jimmy. I mean, they did (laughs) did have... Let, let me ask
2: you, I, one of the reasons it, it, it's so prominent in, in, the, in the Sicilian mob and the Italian mob is because if you have 100 Italians in a room, 75 of them are probably some derivative of Tony. Is there a Greek name like that that pops up all the time when you're talking oh, yeah, about my, Greek yeah. mob? Yeah,
0: mine,
1: Nicky.
0: Yeah. Or uh, here's another Which one. Nick,
1: Nicky or Gush actually more so uh yeah gus yeah but more like a, a jimmy's very popular jimmy uh um spiro uh those kind of names are pretty yeah. dominant. Nick you do know. you know how many
0: diner owners i know named gus
1: forget about it there's probably <laughs> a bunch
0: 12 diners and they're all run by gus nicky and joey uh,
2: the uh <laughs> exactly. here 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 in virginia my my favorite uh Greek slash spaghetti restaurant is Gus's. Okay, well, it's a Greek true. Italian hybrid.
0: There so now, go. Nick, I discovered you, uh and I'm going to take credit for it. I discovered you.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dad is the, Star Wars. He's not going to watch me. <laughs> exactly. Right?
0: Uh, on the uh, uh, Reels, the, the documentary series, and they were talking about a particular guy that you knew quite well. Uh, they called him Gaspipe. Oh, Anthony. Yeah. Let's yeah. talk about the let's talk about the um uh the, uh, the Tony Gaspipe.
1: Well, Anthony well, Gaspipe is a is a. he was a character, very, very tough guy, the most paranoid guy you'll ever know. He became extremely paranoid, that's why he whacked one guy after another. Uh oh. that whole crime family actually Um. getting back to what Dan was talking about the greeks were under the Lucchese flag and and spiro who was the boss of the greek crew um was he answered to gaspipe you know well not really gaspipe but the, the the captain under gaspipe the fat Pete, yeah uh, he answered to him so the, the yeah. that was a very it's, uh, it's
0: interesting that you say that nick cuz and i'm going to go right there with you it's interesting that you say that because when we had George, uh, George Anastasia on the show, and and Dan and I talked to George at some length about this, it, it's funny because George said that the guy you described, gas Pipe, there was a guy in Philly just like him, named Little Nicky Scarfo. Little Nicky
1: Scarfo, yeah, he's
0: a yeah. Little Nicky, yeah, complete complete sociopath, <laughs> Yeah, completely, but. So paranoid that, I mean, he, how, Dan, uh, uh, tell me if, if I'm BSing here. No, it, you're not. 20, 21 of his, of his crew. He had a crew of 40 and whacked half of them. It's crazy.
1: It's yeah, crazy. Well, it yeah, he was extremely paranoid guy. Uh, yeah. He, he had a, a Napoleon complex because he was so, because sh- he was short. He's a mm-hmm. short little guy. Dan could probably kick it and fall down. But... Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, they, they, Nicky, actually, in Philly, um, when he came to power, the Greek mob in Philly, which was run by Harry, Petros, and Steve Budas, uh, yeah. Scarfo uh, put a tax on them. He wanted to tax them more. In other words, hit him up for more kickback money than they were paying before to Angelo Bruno.
0: Yeah.
1: And the Greeks said... Get the fuck out of here! I'm not paying you shit. Exactly. Yeah. Didn't work out well because they both got whacked.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and 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 that's a part of our history. A lot of people seem to, for whatever reason, Nick, they brush by that one. Why is that? Why does does, is that not talked about more?
1: Well, because the Greeks in general, the Greek mob in general, and the Greek uh, guys in that in that clique, um, they played this so much under the radar. They've always been that way. Uh yeah. not to say anything bad about Italians, because I love Italian people. Uh but the Italian guys were a little too a little more flamboyant. You know, like well, you know, yeah.
0: Whole, you know, you got, more... Yeah, you you got a point, Dan. Uh he Nick says flamboyant. Let's uh let's see if we remember anybody. Let's say John Gotti, um uh Phil uh, Leonetti. Yeah,
1: Philip there, there were Chicken definitely
0: Testa, Sal Testa. Yeah. Uh, Angelo Bruno Spe- you know, Speaking of uh, Skinny Joey Merlino
2: You you mentioned Gas Pipe me if I'm wrong he, he came up in our conversation Wasn't he the one who, who confessed to murdering Frankie D during that, that beef uh, Frankie DeCiccio De, De Or however his name is pronounced
1: Oh yes
0: um, Yeah is that, He did right Nick I believe so yeah Yeah
2: yeah, cuz um, Frankie D was another one that hit, that was always in like loved loved the, the 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 big cigars and the spotlight and everything. Not not to the way that Gotti did, but he was another one that you you could find, you know, the the typical Don picture or or not Don, but the pic, typical mafia pictures of.
0: You know, and that's a that's a really good segue, Dan. That's a really good segue. I'm going to bounce it back to you in just a second. But Nick, you know, you you have quite a bit of Amazing work under your belt. Uh, which came first, the, 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 the love of the literary or the practical experience to have to put this down on paper? Which came, which came first? That it were, was it that, uh, that, that love of writing, or did you, just, did you have to find a way to vent this, this livelihood, I'm going to say livelihood, but did you have to find a way to vent your life into a, uh, uh, a more coherent?
1: Oh, uh, well, I've always, I've, I, I love writing since I was a kid. I've always was a writer. Um, but when it came to this subject area, yeah, to tell the truth, when I was in junior high school, when I joined that gang, uh, there's a book I read that really inspired me to really write about this kind of a subject, you probably, you guys probably know the book. It's uh, called The Outsiders by S.E. Hinton. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah that book I re- I was, I loved that book a lot because you know we were made to read it in junior high. That was yeah. one of the requirements. So when I read that book, I, I felt very much attached to the main character, and what he was going through, and I, uh, you know, identified with it. And then just from my own up, what I was going through, to begin with. Uh, yeah. That connected to me. Then, yeah, I found a um, a way to vent, like you said, like Angelo said. I mm-hmm. wouldn't call it venting so much, but uh, I vented in a different way, which is using my hands, which wasn't very good. Uh- good, <laughs> <laughs> Dan. <laughs> well,
2: it, 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 speaking of venting and talking, if, if I can, um, prison rules. Uh, having been a corrections officer before, I've I've read that it reads like a dictation and, and i mean that not as a, a criticism but it literally reads like someone is just sitting down telling you a long story there's it, it, the, some of the thoughts bounce around some of the narrative bounces around it, it, did you do that on purpose you talk about how you just wanted to vent where you just kind of sat down and, and told the story and told the, with obviously your your influence but with did did you did you intend to to make it such a uh, a read, which, which made it so interesting is that it read like, so, like literally someone just hit, hit record well, on a tape recorder yeah, and, and Dan, started and started listening to a story.
0: Yeah. And Dan, that that's exactly where, where I was going when I was talking to Nick about that before, you know, the, 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 like, just like Dan said, did you have to do it?
1: Well, did, it, I, did I, did to, to answer did you Dan's choice in it. Well, to answer Dan's question, um, Prison Rules actually was the brainchild of John Elite. John Elite was John Gotti Jr.'s ex-bodyguard.
0: Mm-hmm. So yeah.
1: me and John got together, and we decided, because I knew John, and me and John got together, and he had this idea where he wanted to teach, uh, put a book out, a how-to book, how to survive in prison, kind of a yeah. book, where it was really meant for young people, young men and women, to read it, to scare them straight, to... Yeah. Was to go the right path rather than you know go the way where they end up in prison. So yeah. it was John. The book was I wrote it through John's eyes. That's okay. the way it was done. Interesting. You know now, Nick.
0: Yeah, I was going to say right where right where you are. You know, George uh, Anastasia. We had him on. We talked about his book called Gotti's Rules. Gotti's rules.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. Now an interesting perspective that you're writing through John's eyes, and here this book is being written from the third eye, kind of like the the uh, outside looking in. Um, but And it raised a lot of eyebrows because of the kind of person that John A. Light is. Um, he has been called a con man, a bullshitter, um, a guy who thinks highly of himself. Uh, a guy a guy looking for his 15 minutes um i don't know the man i've never met him dan and i would love to have him on the show at some point to like really just talk to him and pick his brain but but that's one of the things that dan that came up when george anastasia was here you mm-hmm. know he wrote that book with john with john a light and he got a lot of you know the 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 a flood of backlash, Nick, that came from Gotti Jr. Well, you, you're laughing because you know where I'm going.
1: You know, I got also.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Go ahead, Dan. Pick up on that. Well, you know, e- e- you you could not have been
2: more right. If there's anybody who's come up in conversation in the last handful of episodes we've done that we would want on the show, it's him. And and I'm curious he obviously when his name came, came up before he was a talker, how did you, cause I, I, I couldn't find much information on that. How did you come about working with John elite? Like who about that, that story?
1: Well, I knew John through another friend of mine, a, a mutual friend. And, um, it just so happened. that when me and John started talking. Like when me and Angela was talking that, uh, me and John had a lot of familiar friends that we, I grew up with that he knew that I knew. Um, and that's how we kind of connected. Um, now, just I just want to make a comment on what Angela was saying. Uh, that I don't care what people say. I've hung out with him. I know John well. He's a very genuine guy. He's a good guy. He he means what he says. He does want to help people, and he's that's what he's trying to do. Um, John Jr. On the other hand, who he's had an issue with, who he doesn't have any issues with anymore, because John, my John, doesn't really care anymore. Uh, But John Jr., in my eyes, um, hasn't really done anything for the youth or try to help anybody, help these kids to get off the street. John A. Light has done that and is still doing it to this day. So that tells me me he's a man who – he's a guy who, you know, was a bad guy. He beat people, shot people. Uh, God knows what else he did. He was in prison 16 different years. Um, And he comes off – prison and just yeah nick you just said something
0: critical you just said something critical talking about the gotti jr and we've we've addressed this subject before but not ever uh to this degree and i'm going to go there um john gotti jr is doing something today nick that's unheard of for a, a reputed mobster to do And it might be lost on the youth, but I have to tell you that what he's doing is litigating, and that's unheard of for a purported mobster to go to court and litigate against anyone. The the ramifications of that are nothing short of, of staggering should he open up this plethora of skeletons in his closet. You know, are are not you like inviting that
1: attention? What what are your thoughts on that, Nick? Um, I don't know what he's doing, <laughs> litigation. He's not a lawyer. So I don't know what the hell he's doing there. But uh John, be a member John suing you know, everybody's what he's doing. <laughs> I don't know what the hell he's doing. But John Jr., you know, uh I don't just I don't hate the man. I have nothing I you know, I don't I don't, I don't I'm not crazy about him, but I don't Hate the man. Uh, But, you know, him (laughs) litigating is pretty freaking funny. But, uh, because what you say about skeleton in his closet, John Jr. used to hang out at the same nightclubs I used to go to. And I saw him once or twice at the clubs or whatever. Uh, But, you know, John Jr. is not a mobster. He never was a real, he never was for that life. You know, it wasn't meant for him, you know, in reality. His father wanted him there and he tried to live up to his father's aspirations, but he just wasn't, you know, some people are just not cut out for it, and John Jr. definitely wasn't.
0: And- you know what, Nick? That's a really great point, and I think Dan's going to have a field day with this one. <laughs> well, but let's talk about exactly what you're talking about. The, uh, the second generation, a lot of them aren't cut out. They're not as tough as the old man. They're not as seasoned as the old man. We've seen it uh, in Philadelphia with the with Testa Senior and Junior. We've uh, we've seen it with God knows with any number of uh, uh, the the Stanford crew, John Stanford and his son Joey Stanford. Um, there are a lot of people who who I don't know if they feel like they have to or they've got a reputation to live up to or they're they're coerced by peer pressure to join but that's one of the things that that we really didn't get a chance to talk about before dan and then maybe you and nick can uh, expand on that subject matter the uh the offspring <laughs> of uh of the mob characters guys like uh, Gotti jr and uh uh, and, and Michael Francis and people like that. Go ahead.
2: Yeah. You know, something that comes up on this show all the time, Nick, because we have a lot of, of seasoned veterans and a lot of older guests and you always hear the story of how the current kids today are soft and weak and social media and TV are making these manby pambies and you know, everybody's offended by everything and snowflakes and safe spaces and all that shit. I'm wondering, have you, has in your experience and research, because I, seeing numbers now, they talk about some of the crime families have membership as high as 200 made members, a lot of them under the age of 40. Are you seeing some of the younger guys suffering from the same thing the current young generation is, where they're more sensitive, more easily offended, more bothered by the simplest things, the microaggressions and all this shit that, that would have gotten people shot 30 years ago? Uh,
1: well, you know, th- th- Right now, to be honest with you, um, I'm not sure where Dan got that information from, but he might be might be correct. I'm not uh, I'm not going to tell you definitely, but as far as I know, most of these families have decreased in number. Um, like the Bonanos have like a hundred members when before mm-hmm. they had heck of a lot more. Um, yeah. the, the talent, the so the uh, lack of a better term, the talent pool is kind of yeah. like. It's more like a cesspool than a talent pool. <laughs> <laughs> <They don't, laughs> there's really nothing. Ah, I love it. There. And in Philly, specifically, they've been recruiting a lot of Sicilians from Sicily because oh, they, yeah. they haven't got the, the talent pool anymore. The young guys don't have the coyons that the old guys did. And
0: exactly. And, and, and that's exactly. You went right there, Nick. You oh. went right there. There was a time, and I think it shows uh, just exactly what you said. the 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 numbers are dwindling, you know. Uh, the we when we had oh God, who was with us, Dan? We had the George and who else was? Uh, oh, Matt Granahan was with mm-hmm. us, um, a, a famous uh, boxing uh, MMA promoter um, who grew up with a lot of these uh, these characters. Um, and one of the things that we talked about on that show is how how do we say it Dan? um there was a time that the if you looked at somebody wrong you know that just the just looking at somebody could get you killed. Oh yeah, they
2: they they were talking about, you know, you, you be just just the, the wrong facial expression. You, you mentioned yeah. Nick mentioned earlier the clubs. The wrong yeah. facial expression could get somebody, could beat, get somebody beat badly or you know or killed. And nowadays people are in tears because uh, I have the wrong symbol on my t-shirt. So I'm wondering if <laughs> exactly. you know I, I'm wondering if Nick mentioned bringing in the Sicilians. I, Nick, if you don't mind me asking, sure. is sure. this is this bringing in a? I hate to to describe it this way, but is this these these younger, softer people? Is this a kinder, gentler mafia or is this one of those where eventually Americans are going to kind of be taken out of the equation because they're going to have to bring in people from countries that that actually have a spine?
1: Well, Uh, the the scary part of that, Dan, is that um, a lot of the uh, families now, there's nobody getting whacked, by the way. That's that's not doing that's not happening no more. There's no killings going on. There's no beatdowns in the middle of the street. Yeah. Uh, all those things are gone. Uh, they're very much under the radar right now. They went underground. And um, the guys that are coming from overseas and, are the Sicilians, the Negrada, the uh, Camorra, uh, mostly in Canada. And um, the, uh, what they are doing is they're hiring, uh, lack of a better term, getting guys from other families to do their dirty work. You know, know, black, African-American gang, tough guys, guys, uh, Albanians, uh, Russians, things like that, to do their dirty work to distance themselves so they can't put it together. Good point. Dan, Nick brings up
0: a good point. What they're doing for, for all intents and purposes, they're subcontracting their work. You, was you never ever happened before. Yeah, they're contracting it out really um, to the highest bidder. The other thing that that's that that you're seeing now that would never have happened before is again Nick mentioned the Albanians, the uh, um, the uh, whatever, the uh, uh, the Greek, the you know there was it was very exclusive to one nationality. Now you've got a lot of crossover. The Italians and the Greeks, the Irish and the Russians. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, God, that's, that's, that's a show all by itself, Nick, for crying out loud. Um, <laughs> but let's talk about... There's always been this... And, and we should tell people in the interest of full disclosure, although I claim Nick Christopher's as a paisan of mine, Nick is actually Greek, but we still accept him anyway, so... And when I look at you, I want to go oompa.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: but here's the thing, though. There's always been this connection and this uh, a working relationship between the Italians and the Greeks. Um, was that by design or was that by necessity, Nick?
1: Well, the Greek, it, 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 whether it's in Philadelphia or whether it was in, in Chicago or New York, where the Greeks f- predominantly dominated, uh, it was by necessity. Like, the, the Italian, the of course, the, the mob, the traditional mob, was not going to let some other crew do whatever they want without kicking up a little bit of a tribute every month. Uh, so, same thing in Philly. Harry Harry and Steve used to kick up to uh, Angelo Bruno. In New York, Spiro kicked up to the Lucchese In Chicago, was up to the outfit. So, it was from by necessity, but the Greeks weren't like guys you could just like, it's lack of a better term, fuck around with, because they yeah. they push they push back, believe it or not. And been.
2: well, yeah, I was gonna say you were talking about kickbacks and working, I. Correct me if I'm wrong. I, I I can look it up if we need to. I could have sworn it was in a trial of, of uh one of the members of the Colombo family, where a lot of the evidence involved dealings with the East Coast Bloods, which would have been unheard of in the generation you're talking about. Exactly. You know, where where they, they were basically recruiting uh what's the word, slingers from, from the Bloods to do some of the work they needed and and the older the older Italians were keeping their hands clean. And, um, and yeah. I, I I, I, that I think originally. <laughs> well, I was going to say, yeah, because I mean, that was uh mid, mid to late 90s, I believe. But I uh, that that kind of got me thinking, you were talking about the kickbacks and the workups and all that. Um, one thing, and it comes up a lot, and it came up in our, our talk on the, uh, the Italians is the how the way Hollywood glamorizes the mob. Is there ever been instances where you've had say the greeks and the jew jewish mob and the italians and irish you know this this scene that's in every movie that involves organized crime where there's a bunch of people sitting in a room you know the irish are going to take this corner and the jews are going to take this corner and the russians are going to say has that has anything like that ever happened or is that just one of those things like like how defibrillators work that uh, hollywood (laughs) just always gets wrong
1: well hollywood gets a lot of things wrong uh (laughs) I mean, it's funny you say that, Dan, but, you know, movies like uh, I don't want to veer, veer off too much, but movies like Goodfellas, Donnie Brasco, Casino, I can rip those movies apart because it's so <laughs> you so know, wrong. Nick, I
0: gotta tell you, <laughs> brother, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, you're going to you're going to love this. And uh, Dan, did we or did we not do about 45 minutes just on television and film? Mm hmm. Where the mob was represented. I want to tell you, Nick, we had, uh, you know, we, of course, we, we had to pay, you know, we had to pay homage to Hollywood, of course, because everybody loved, the, you know, Goodfellas, The Godfather, Rock, um, you through. know, uh, Donnie Brasco, how could you not, right? Because uh, it's great entertainment. However, however, Hollywood, as we know, plays great liberty with those, with those parts. Um, Oh yeah. I mean, but (laughs) the the truth of the matter is, um, you know, real life isn't that dramatic. It's sobering, but it's not that dramatic. Right. Uh, and sobering is as far, you know, as far as I'm concerned, is a lot harder to deal with than drama. I can deal with drama. Uh, but you know, (laughs) Some people will have a hard time dealing with the realities of seeing somebody get their head blown off in front of them. You know that's a stark reality that exists in that world. But we also we investigated the uh, the the veracity and the authenticity of some of these movies, like you know, Goodfellas, Donnie Brasco, The Godfather. Um, the Five Points Gang. Um, go ahead, Ben.
2: Yeah, we, we talked about, um, especially one of the things was the, the popularity of the Sopranos actually led to, I don't want to say recruitment, but you had teenagers, you know, Jersey, it, it, Philly, New York boys watching the Sopranos trying to get into some of the local, getting in with some of the families because they thought that's what being in the mob would be like. And and it's almost like you hear the stories about all the all the guys who who applied for the Navy when Top Gun came out. You know, it's the same mentality. People see good fellas yeah. and they think, "I, I want to do truth.
0: that. Yeah, Nick, you know? it's true. What Dan's telling you, Nick, is absolutely true. There are people who believe that th- that the mob, the Italian mob, used the Sopranos as a recruiting tool. Is basically what he's saying.
1: Yeah. Well it, it's uh, that's pretty scary if that was the case but it's uh, frightening uh, The Sopranos frightening. It was a great great show. I met the cast many times. I love the the show. I love Dave Chase. but it's not really the way it is because if a mob boss was ever known to go to a fucking psychiatrist, I don't think he'd last first of that week. I think he'd be gone, you know. <laughs> so uh, let's Nick, let's talk a
0: little bit about um the the, the books that you you've got as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, the Destiny's books, uh, one and two. Uh, Prison Rules, of course, the, the John A. Light story. And Mafia Ties. I want to talk to you about the, the first book, the, the Destiny's book. Okay. First of all, the, the title is intriguing. It's an interesting title. Um, but the subject matter is equally interesting. You know, you have this woman. Who finds herself immersed in this world of kind of shady characters, but she's uh, at the same time drawn to it, but offended by it. Correct. But she can't pull herself away. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about the the fiction of it and the reality of it. Let's let's
1: go there. Um, well, the the, the book "Destiny's" title is. Basically, it means the destiny of three different individuals that are in the book. The woman that you just mentioned, Nina, who's the yeah. main character, uh, Santo, who's the mob boss that she, mob cat, well, soldier at the time that she meets, and then their son, which comes later on in the book. So it's based on the destiny of these three characters and how they how each one of their their uh, paths uh, play on each other. Um, so the reality, the realistic part of it, as you mentioned, Angelo, is um, it's a little bit about some things I experienced growing up. You know, Santo would be, you know, the Vicarina, Arena, uh, who was the boss of the Colombo family at the time, used to come to my dad's place. Um, guys like him, who I met, and I kind of, kind of, kind of molded Santo into that kind of image. Um, Anita yeah. is kind of like. One of my ex-girlfriends, don't want to mention the name right now. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, we'll keep out of court. <laughs> yeah, she, I kind of based it on her a little bit. And and uh, the character Tommy is sort of like, um, I forgot the character's name. It was from a movie, and he played an attorney. And that was going against the mob. Um, but I can't remember the name of the character from the top of my head. So I kind of like meshed all those three together mm-hmm. and kind of came up with you know the book.
0: Dan, you had, uh, you had when I told you that uh, Nick was going to be on new: So uh, so talk to me about uh, your knowledge of the books, Dan?
2: Well, I, I had, like I said, I had read, <clears throat> excuse me, I had read prison rules about, I guess I don't know. A year or two ago, maybe having right. been a, a former corrections officer, it came up in the reading list around the same time another book that was written by an officer from the prison I worked at. Um, I knew destinies because it pops up any, you know, it, it's it's comes comes recommended with you and the. Uh, any any time you know obviously with amazon like hey you you read this book we recommend Destiny's. which by the way um both Destiny's books are five-star ratings which is unheard of for an author to have multiple five-star books in the same series that's not the tween fantasy crap that everyone's writing today Um,
0: well dan let me explain something to you daniel okay you just just know this i only get the best on this show okay (laughs) so let's 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 just understand that well
2: I I guess nobody
0: under a four-star comes on this
2: show. (laughs)
0: Okay.
2: (laughs) Go ahead, Dan. I'm saying, well, uh, you know, I, I, it's funny. Angelo touched on it and and you got into it. It, it. Obviously we, we, you know, do a lot of, and we started as a, as a wrestling podcast. One of the things that comes up in our wrestling discussions is the idea of kayfabe the 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 real you, the best characters, or the real you turned up to eleven. Some of the characters, be it you know, the way you describe like like Brooklyn and um, Detective Morris, I believe his name was.
0: Um, yeah,
2: you know, you you these are. There's no way you write a character that well without knowing. Someone who the, who that's based on I'm oh, curious yeah, if you could you, That has right. to be real it, Nick that's, that's, and, and you you touched on that I was wondering if you could expand a little more On where the line blurs between Fiction and you're actually Telling a story you know the names have been changed To protect the innocent kind of thing
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Alright Dan You're pressing on a very heavy line there uh, <laughs> <laughs> Tell him Nick <laughs> Uh, well, the, the, Detective Morris. Uh, well, see, a lot of guys used to come into my. Besides wise guys, a lot of officers used to come into my dad's cafe. A lot of attorneys, uh, district attorneys, all those kind of guys would come in there all the time. Sometimes, sometimes they would sit right across from each other, wise guys and cops on the other side. It was really weird. You uh, know, <laughs> uh, and, and it happened to, it happened a lot. But they respected each other, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Detective Morris. Believe it or not, and I know you might laugh at this one, but I kind of thought of Detective Morris as Rudy Giuliani. Really? Oh, get for real. Yeah.
0: (laughs) You based him on Rudy. Rudy. Interesting. I I
2: assume. I assume you based him on young Attorney Rudy and not crazy. The the way he's been, you know, touching himself before at Rudy.
0: You you forget the porn. That's an interesting point, Dan, because, you know, and, and again, you know, Nick, again, you, know, you can't make this stuff up. Dan will tell you, and I've talked about it on the show before, so I'm not making this up. My father bought a bar in Camden, New Jersey from Buddy Rogers, the, the professional wrestler. On one side of the bar, you had all that, you know, the Philadelphia mob on one side. <laughs> On the other side, you had the Camden Police Department. Behind the bar, you had an ex-con and a former cop. <laughs> I've never seen an interaction with, I, I, I should say it the way it is, with cops and fucking criminals the way these guys loved each other. They, they, and they really did. They broke their, each other's balls you know, they poked fun of each other, but when it came down to it, they had this mutual, like a bond almost, like like a fraternity. Because each group in and of themselves are exactly alike. As different as a police officer is from a criminal, five criminals are exactly the same, and so are five cops. You see where I'm going with that? Well, it's... It, you know.
1: It's Go funny, ahead, Nick. No, it's funny you say that. Sorry, Dan. Uh, no, you're fine. The funny thing is that if you think about it, stop and think about it. What does an officer do every day? An officer, uh, who I respect, policemen, uh, they have a job to do, right? So they're out yeah. there. They might have to bust a couple of heads, straighten some things out, all right? It. Pretty much, right? And they walk with a bit of a toughness, and they have, this, they have a uniform on. So they represent, they represent, represent um, you know, the color blue. You know, the Blue Bloods. Okay. So then you have the wise guy who's also wearing a nice suit, you know, He's got to bust a couple of heads sometimes. So there the, there's, a, there's a very thin line between the two. And one thing is every wise guy I've talked to, friends of mine that I've known and friends I still have today, they respect cops, believe it or not. And there's one guy I'm actually working on a fifth book with. His name is Bill Cotolo Jr. He was mm-hmm. Wild Bill Cattolo's son in the Columbia. Okay. family. And Bill Jr. told me that his father, when he was on the street uh, before he was killed, his father always told him, Bill, if that officer ever comes to you, FBI agent, anything, you show them respect. Don't act like a jerk. Don't have a wise mouth. Yeah. They have a job to do as well. And a lot of the old timers had that same mentality. You know,
0: and that's that's the one thing you saw that. Uh, in the crew, uh, as it existed under uh, the the man they called the Gentle Don, Angelo Bruno. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, Bruno was a, an interesting guy, especially for a you know <laughs> he he looked like somebody's grandfather, but here's a guy who's a, the head of an uh, you know a mafia family. And we Dan and I talked about this before. You know, we had his before and after picture up on our screen. Now here he's wearing his little Fedora cap. Like, like like that is wearing. Yeah, walking around that's with that's sweater. Fair. And then the and then the next picture, he's, you know, he's looking like uh, you know, like with the blood all over and his mouth is open, and he's he's like this, you yep. know. But the juxtaposition of that was as dramatic as I could possibly make it for my audience to understand what we're talking about. This guy who looks like somebody's grandpop is somebody's grandpop who just happens to order people to be killed for a living. And <laughs> what, it's over. What? And it's, and here's the funny thing, Nick. And you and I are going to talk about this. Maybe we can smarten up the young, young squire here. <laughs> um, it's almost exclusively, Nick, almost exclusively over money. But when it's not over money, the other thing, and Dan, I'm going to I hope to smarten you up here. Here's what the other thing is. It's over principle. These guys are very, very principled. Go ahead, Nick.
1: No, I was going to just say, Angelo Bruno was in was in power for 30 years. Yeah. And he was called the Das Dan, as you may already know, Angelo. Yes, uh, that, because he didn't, he avoided violence in any way possible. He was a diplomat, and that's why he lasted so long. And then along came Nikki Scarfo, and he fucked that all up. So <laughs> that's an understatement, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Dan's wearing the same hat that Angela Bruno used to wear, but different color. <laughs> exactly, and we. I had he go...
0: By the way, yeah, that's it. That's the color. I I have to tell you, Nick. I have to tell you, Nick, that we uh we have a and Dan will tell you every week. I introduce him on the show. I call him the smartest man in the room because I'm contractually obligated. Um, He made me sign a waiver. Uh, (laughs) The other thing I call Dan, I call him the Happy Haberdasher. This guy's got a hat for literally every night of the week. Every show we do, he hasn't worn the same hat twice. <laughs> Daniel, go ahead. You and Nick talk a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's it's funny.
2: Angelo's touching on, on family and principle, and that's obviously something that comes up all the time when you talk about the mob. You know, you got to be good to the family. The family's good to you. You, you know, the uh, church on Sundays, family dinners with mama, you know, all that. I I'm wondering because uh, uh you, you obviously touched on on in your writings on the Greek and Irish mob what, other than family is there is there anything unique to the Greek and Irish mobs that's their core principle that you know like like everybody knows with Italians it's family it's it's respect the elders it's mama do the Greek and and, and Irish mobs have that a core principle like that
1: Oh, yeah it's very similar I mean the Greeks not much very much they're not very much different than the Italians uh that's true. In, in, that, in that respect families yeah. very paramount uh respect for your elders although that's the same same idea pretty much uh the only thing is the Greek mob and the Irish I think as well they never really had the structure or uh you know um, uh, uh, pyramid of, 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 of rankings of whos mm-hmm. who you know, like the Italians did. The Greeks never really did. I mean, they had a boss. They had a couple of lieutenants, if you want to call them that. But there was never like, well, you know, there was never some kind of a category.
2: Speaking of, of structure, do, do, the, do the Greek and Irish mobs have their own version of a consigliere or is that specifically an Italian thing?
1: No, nah, it's just an Italian thing. Nah. Nick, yeah. I got a question for
0: you. Because what something that Dan just said prompted a question. Is there a difference or a purported public perception of the Greek mob and the so-called gypsy mob who are often mistaken as Greek? Let's talk about that. Because there is this this growing number of, uh, and I'll just use the word that they use, gypsy. Uh, I don't know if they're Albanian. I don't know what what culture a gypsy is, but they're often mistaken uh, as Greek. So can you uh, set the record straight and try to you know, educate us on the yep. uh, the power structure of uh, of the gypsies?
1: Well, the gypsies are, a gypsy is not so much here in America, but in Europe. So a gypsy can really come from any kind of ethnic group, really. It could be Kurdish, could be Iranian, could be Greek, could be—it's uh, mostly Middle Eastern, or uh, in that area, even Russian for that for mm-hmm. that sake, Albanian too. So it's a little mix of anything. I mean, we do have Greek, we do have them. There's such a thing, that really came from the um, Turkey, which is right next to Greece, that yeah. country, which I don't care too much about, but that's another story. Yeah. Uh, oh
0: no, I'm with you, I hear you. I hear you on that, brother.
1: So they they kind of came uh, from that area, that section. There's a section called Smyrna, or near in Turkey, which yeah. is where a lot of the Greeks that came to Greece were called Gypsies because they came from there. Um, now the Greek mob in general doesn't really exist anymore, especially in America, where they 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 they've been broken up by the Italians and by the FBI. They're more prevalent in Uh, In Greece, but even in Greece, not so much because they cracked down. They did a mafia crackdown. I want to go. I want to go right there with you. I want to stay
0: on this this line of of conversation, because, again, something you said prompted something here. You said that that the Greeks aren't so much, you know, uh, the power force, you know, um, structurally as they used to be, uh, that there's really no such thing anymore but how much of of the for lack of a better word how much of the greek mob now has found other ways to to make a living are they have they gone cyber have they uh, invested in the internet uh, uh, sports booking uh gambling uh what then you know we talked about this before uh, yeah, the, with the with Italians, the, they're they're using online gambling as a big, a big th- and they're doing it legally.
2: Right. Go ahead, and and a lot of a lot of online racketeering with the way some online businesses can be run now.
0: Yeah. I mean, look at the casinos, Nick. Look at the casinos in Atlantic City. They have all of them have an online Internet presence. Yeah, well, and they you know they, they, that they're not all squeaky clean, brother. You know that.
1: <laughs> but they you're right, You did find a way to do it legally, you know, and they do like offshore betting. Mostly they shut up lines in Costa Rica. I know a guy who wires them up in Costa Rica by the way. I'm not gonna say his name. but anyway no, please don't. Uh, uh, I'll but have I, to go into the witness. Yeah. Uh, but I mean in my in my book Greek Mafia I mean mafia ties the Greek syndicates, I do explain in the second chapter, How the uh, after the mafia crackdown in 2011 in Greece, how the Greek mob, some of the guys had to find another way to make money, though.
0: And that's exactly why I asked you, because I read the book and I was hoping you would mention it. Thank you so much. Um, The book is Mafia Ties. This is this is the definitive book. If you've not read it, then the man, I encourage you. Get the book Mafia Ties. This is the definitive Greek mob. It's from the inside. And you won't put it down. So let's talk about that, Nick. You know, people hear the word mafia. And they immediately associate the Italian with with the word mafia. Right. Okay. But we hear words like outfit, syndicate, mob. Uh, association. We hear that. We we hear all these variations, um, code words for basically mafia. What is in today? Today in twenty twenty, what is the single most powerful tool that the the mafia? I'm going to use that as a general term. What is the single greatest tool that the mafia has today in 2020? And how are they using it?
1: You mean in a, way, in a way of making money, you mean? Yes, sir. Well, you, just, you, you said it earlier. They're, they're not really doing so, uh, so much with, you know, um, loan sharking, shylocking. Uh, they're not really doing too much of that. They may be doing it indiscreetly, but not really. Um, it's more everything is online. Pornography is huge. They're very big on pornography. I uh, always have been, but more so now. Um, that,
0: that's interesting. Yeah, the the porn market. That's you know what, Dan. We didn't even discuss that. The porn market.
2: Yeah, I, I wouldn't have thought about it. Truth be told.
0: Uh, Liar! Well, <laughs> you lie, son. You lie.
2: Well, I the, mean the mob connection, not not the business in general.
1: Yeah, well, the business has always been somewhat in some degree connected uh sonny francis uh was the one involved with deep throat that came out in the 70s yes uh, yes then, absolutely then, yeah then db as we called him, uh robert de bernardo uh may rest in peace uh was john Gotti's guy who ran the whole porn business in Manhattan. um then you know it, it, now it's different generation so they're finding you know the mob in general they always adapt. They find other ways to make money. You know, if it's not the old school ways, they'll find something else. So they're going to yeah. do anything that doesn't, one, draw attention, not one that doesn't make it easy for the guy, for the FBI to find them or catch them, even though the internet, they can encrypt things. Um, the other concept is that right now, there's no social clubs anymore. Those are done. Over. You know, once you just, yeah. it's pretty hard to find one. I found three of them and Carol is Brooklyn, but they're very discreet. If you didn't know about it, you would never know they're there. Hmm. You know, nobody yeah. hangs out in the corner no more. John Gotti destroyed all that.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, Dan, we are at the top of the hour. One before we continue, why don't we have a word from our sponsor? And we will come back from our commercial with more of Nick Christopher's.
2: Sounds like a plan. You know, we talked the uh, the mob taking care of each other, taking care of the boys, and the most important thing you can do, especially with some of the weather we've been having recently, is take care of your own boys. And you can do that with our friends at Manscaped.com. Manscaped.com is the world's leading producer and supplier of man trimming products. Their current package has the <laughs> package has the lawnmower 3.0. It includes uh, its package includes uh, wipes. The uh, deodorizing spray spray or excuse me, the refreshing spray, the deodorizing rub. You go to manscaped.com, use promo code wrestling future for 20% off. Uh, they have everything now from the, the lawnmower 3.0, the weed whacker, which is more for uh nose and ear trimmer. And uh, obviously anything with a good ball, you gotta be some good good at whacking it too. So uh, the manscaped.com, use promo code wrestling future 20% off. That is manscaped.com. balls will thank Your you.
0: Balls will thank you. Oh, and so will we. Now, Nick Christopher, you got to follow a testicle commercial.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to touch that one. Nothing but the highest standards on this show.
0: Oh, boy. <laughs> By the way, I want to move out of the way for a second. I want, you to see, I want you to see your sign, Nick. Take a look at it. Really good.
1: I see it. It's pretty awesome. Like it? That's beautiful. Thank you. That's pretty cool. I like that
0: commercial
1: and right underneath
0: you yeah that's your pretty nice happy face dot your balls will thank you <laughs> thank you <laughs> you're quite i'll send you a copy of that banner so you can and feel free to use it absolutely thank you pretty cool you're quite welcome so daniel yes sir. when last we left off it is your turn go for it brother
2: well, I mean, it's hard to uh, hard to follow what we were just talking about a second ago, but um, to oh, go I'm back sure to you'll find a way <laughs> to, to go back to what we what we were discussing previously, you were yes. mentioning you were talking about the expansion and the online business. I, I'm curious with the with the Greek and, and Irish mob specifically. Did they have a a tar- I don't want to say target audience if that makes any sense. Did they have kind of a target audience the way that the Italian mob does? If you're going to set up sports betting, obviously the Italians they'll go for so you know, you're in New York, New Jersey, you're looking at boxing, you're looking at MMA, you know, whereas maybe with Irish and Greek you might be looking more at like soccer or or it, it, sports that are more popular with with the, their target. Do they have a target audience for some of their their new endeavors?
1: Well, no matter what they in general, the Greeks, really, they did. They had a lot of what they call horse parlors, where you bet on horse yeah. racing. Yeah, that's, that's that was, another
0: big one, Nick,
1: yeah. Uh, now, off-track betting, sure. The horses. Yeah, that was very big. Not so much now as it was back in the day. Uh, oh God, very yeah. big back in the day, because um, uh, horse, horse parlors is where people can go bet on horses at, at, in different variations of money, I mean. Um, uh, but another big thing for the Greeks was a game that the Italians could not, could not, um, concept, con- conce- uh, conceive. It was called Barbut. It's B-A-R-B-U-T. It's a Middle Eastern game that the Arabs and the Greeks used to play. And yeah. they it played with dice and a cup. Um, and that was very huge back in the day. And, um, the... The Italian, there was one. There's a quote by an Italian guy on wiretap. Italian wise guy. He says, "We can never master this game. The Greeks would rob us blind," uh, which is true, because um, the, the, the Italians didn't know anything about this game. It was you know because it's Middle Eastern. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Irish, same idea. A lot with gambling. You know, like what I was just mentioning. Um, especially the, the 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 gang. There was a group gang called the Westies, which was on the yep. west side of Manhattan uh Jimmy Coonan, used to he was the boss over there or the the guy the leader so to speak yeah. uh, either one of these groups Greek Italian uh, or Albanian well not Albanian I'm not Bainian. I'm not, no, not going to use them right now but the Greek and the Irish like Dan was talking no matter what project they're looking to do they had to they had to be clear with the Italians first it could not run without them it. it's not possible because they had to kick well, up no. them
0: that, and that's an interesting point. You mentioned Albanians. Now let's talk about John for a second. John a. Uh-huh. um, and, and by the way, is his name pronounced Alight or Elite? Because we've always been saying Elite. Elite. That's right. Okay. Because um, we were correct at one time. Um, but the th- here's the thing. John could never have been a made man. And, right. and, th- and I am told... That that frustrated him because he wanted he always wanted to be considered a person of respect. He always wanted that that badge of honor that comes with being a made guy. Mm -hmm. He also wanted the money and and the women and everything else that came with being a made guy. You know, pockets full of hundred dollar bills and the whole bit. Um, but he never could because he was he was not Italian, and a lot of people don't know that. Um how much did that really frustrate him, and, and that, did that play a part, Nick, in his decision to play
1: ball with the federal government? I don't know. That had nothing to play nothing to do at all. Actually, John was in prison in Brazil because he went on the lam when he knew indictments were coming down. And he yeah. was in Europe, and then he ended up in Brazil. Mm-hmm. And when he was in a Brazilian prison, one of the worst prisons in the world, called Aya Franco, one of the yep. worst. And uh, while he was there, he got word that John Jr. um proffered, meaning there was the 302 done because John sat down with the feds with his yep. attorney. Yep. And he and then another twenty other guys started writing John Alight out writing mm-hmm. him out. And then when he came to Florida, when he got extradited to Florida, that's when he got the whole Shabam. You know, they told him, listen. We got 30 guys here that testified against you already. What do you want to do? Yeah. So it wasn't so much whether he getting made or being a made guy was not the, um, what triggered him to do what he did. And okay. Because
0: you,
1: I'm sure you're aware that that was the story
0: floated around for a while, that that well, it, was his, his actually, MO. No. Nah. Yeah, and that's, uh, you know, of course, you know, we hear a lot of things coming through through coming through our doors here. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and that's why we have guys like you and George Anastasia come on, because you guys, you know, you have your nose to the grindstone and you know what's happening out there. You know,
1: yeah, pretty the, much.
0: So, yeah, we would, we would rather hear it from the horse's mouth than, you know, than from but, some second or third hand source. Daniel, that actually, questions. that actually, yeah, that
2: actually brings up a, a kind of bringing us full circle to one of the things we talked about when we first started started the interview. Was was your your John Gottis and your your big, um, you know, the the guys who liked being in front of the camera more than they liked running the business. In your experience, Nick, has the social media age where everybody in the digital age, everybody walking down the street has a camera, Twitter, Facebook, you can, anybody, and and if there's one thing we've seen with the your Kardashians and people like that, no matter how talented or important, anybody in the world can become famous now, has that has it become easier for some of these upstarts to, uh, to be? Big names in the mob, or has it forced them to retreat from the spotlight because it's so much easier to be identified?
1: Um, well, anybody who any real wise guy who decides to be uh, what they call an, uh, a computer gangster, uh, shouldn't be in the life to begin with, uh, because that's, <laughs> that's a big, that's a big, pretty stupid. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. uh, I mean, yeah. you know, I'm not, I'm not even Italian and I'm, I mean, I'm Greek, so. Uh, yeah, I know better than that, no. And you know, John A. Light like, knew better than that when he was, you know, out. When he yeah. wasn't, you know, when he uh, he only got involved with social media because when he got out and he was not involved in that life no more. That's a different story. If you're not involved in the life and you want to, you know, get on, you're a civilian now. As far, both you of know, the Nick
0: and uh, Dan brought up a good point, and I think Dan, you and I might have had at one point started to broach the subject of using social media as a recruiting tool mm-hmm. i know that you and i spoke on another episode about uh groups like isis and al qaeda using twitter yep to you know where i'm going with this so yeah no, why you're, don't you you're... And, and yeah why don't you uh and smarten up nick enlighten nick to like what some of these groups how they are Recruit. Listen, Nick. You're going to love this. Go ahead, Danny.
2: Yeah, we we touched on that in other discussions, not just on the mob, but in in crime and some of the things in general. Is organizations like ISIS and Al Qaeda and some of these active extremist groups, even uh, some of the separate uh, the the set sovereign citizens, separationists in America, organizations like the Klan and whatnot. You know, they they're they're able to use social media through two main po- focus points. One is Anybody has an account, you anybody can put stuff out there. You know, now I mean, ISIS has a literal official Twitter page. You know, they have a public social media spokesman. Um, that's how they're able to claim. You know, when when they do things, and oh, we take credit for this bombing or whatever. But you know, the other way they they use that to target. They'll go to groups and watch people complain about things like, man, you know, I'm I'm angry at the police or I'm angry at this. Well, have you thought about? And they'll they'll reach out to people because in the social media age, anybody with any kind of communication, I can type something in a Facebook page and 10 seconds later, someone in Russia is reading what I just said. That was unheard of 10 years ago. And and I'm curious if the mob does something similar where it's like, man, you know, uh, I'm angry at the police or I'm angry at the neighborhood. Well, hey, we're like like I mentioned earlier with the, the organization, with the bloods, like we're looking for somebody to do something for us. A Facebook group is the best place to find that because like-minded people go together. And by the time the mob would get involved in a Facebook group, half the people on there are—I don't want to say—susceptible to radicalization because that sounds insanely negative. But you 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 pigeonhole yourself. I mean, you look at groups in social media. you you know people who believe the Earth is flat, and some of these organizations, and 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 they can't. Well, what I mean is, is I'm using. He's not true lying. Example, right. He's I'm not. Using, I'm using that as an extreme example because I go to that group and I say, "Look, here's evidence that you're wrong," and now I'm the villain. So if I'm looking for a particular type of person, the best place to find them is in so is on social media. So every ha- ha- have
0: misfit you- and malcontent, Nick. Exactly. That's what Dan is telling you. Every misfit and malcontent is online. That brings me, Daniel. Thank you, because you segued me right into where I want to go. Well, I'm here for that. You brings me to this and i think you'll understand it um one of the things that's pervasive in our society today are these extremist groups the black lives matter the purple lives matter the uh the the red white and blue you know hair every thursday matters you know this kind of shit right (laughs) i have this this theory that if we nationalized the mafia and gave them full government recognition and accreditation, we could eradicate the national debt. We could bring crime down to like <laughs> single digits, like 3% crime rate nationally. We could do all this if we let every Galvone and, and Goodfella. You know, have at it and let them do what they do. Because I got news for you. They ain't taking no shit from no purple lives matter, from black lives matter, from red, white, and blue hair every Tuesday matters. You know, they're not, that's where I'm going with this. I think we need to we need to
1: deputize the mafia. What do you say? Are you with me, guys? That'd be pretty funny. But uh to, to, to mention what Dan was saying earlier. About this, you know, recruitment on online. The mob, yeah. would, the mob would never do that because you can't do it that way. Because to get to get inside and to get to be a made guy anyway in the life, you got to whack somebody first. So you can't yeah. whack them online. That's kind of impossible. So that kind of wouldn't work, you know. Um, so recruitment in that fashion, in especially now, a lot of, like I said, a lot of Sicilians are coming here. Mm-hmm. So the guys like the from the Komodo and the Grata and all those other groups they don't believe in that kind of stuff you know yeah. they're, they're still holding on to the traditional way of think doing things you know so that mm-hmm. kind of probably wouldn't really work too well i mean you may got some you know uh wannabes gangsters that wanna be in the mob yeah oh there's always
0: wannabes out there nick
1: there's a ton yeah. of wannabes you know that wanna that may do with exactly what Dan said. They may even create their own like, Facebook page. Hey, hey guys, you want to join our crew or whatever? Yeah, but, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and the most they'll probably do is probably steal some of the things that Dan's got behind him. <laughs>
0: yeah, right. Nick, <laughs> when, you, uh, when you wrote Prison Rules, did you get any uh, pushback on that because of the, the controversial nature of John?
1: Are you kidding? Definitely. Big time. I, got, well,
0: I that's where and I know you did and you, it's like a good lawyer, you never ask a question unless you know the answer so I know you got a lot of pushback, so let's talk about it what was the what was the, the the focus of most of the negativity well
1: i got it's mo it came from the john John jr's little you know click um you know i got I got a letter to cease and, cease and desist letter not to write not to finish the book yeah. i got Hit on Twitter, uh, Facebook, phone calls, emails. What are you doing? Why are you working with this guy? He's a liar. He's a cheater. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, I forget. It It was endless. I just, John Jr.'s sister hit me up. Uh, One of John Jr.'s little lapdogs, Chris Casparosa, tried to hit me up to start to change my mind. I I told him, I told all of them, the fuck out of here. I'm doing what I'm working on this. Uh, Leave me alone. I'm not interested. You know, I mean, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't scared of them or anything. I wasn't worried about nothing because I'm not scared of nobody to begin with. So, and what I was doing, actually, if they paid attention at all, the book's not about John Jr. The book's about how to survive in prison and how to make young people realize this is not the way to go. So it's it's a book that's geared towards the youth. It's not about John Jr. But these morons thought I was going to glamorize John Elite and make John Jr. look bad, which has nothing to do with it. Nick, did
0: people try to make the comparison between your book and George's book,
1: Gotti's Rules? No, it's funny that you say that. Some people are like, oh, is this part two of Gotti's Rules? I'm like, no, dummy. There's nothing to do with one another. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead, Dan.
2: Yeah, yeah, um, going off uh, to expand on, and, and there I am again, expand on this from what Angela was asking about pushback
0: and feedback, it's um, been a long time, Daniel, since you've expanded upon anything. So go ahead. Young well, Squire, I'm, have I'm, at it. <laughs> Nick, we have I'm, fun I'm, here, Nick. I'm
2: <laughs> curious. The, the, um, you know, did 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 you did you got negative feedback people saying hey don't do this don't write this did it work the other way too after the success of books like prison rules and and some of that did you have people come to you and say hey i saw what you did with john elite you know i have a story to tell you have you have you had that kind of feedback the other way where instead of telling you to stop writing people are giving you a chance to write more
1: yeah well actually i got a lot of people that liked the book people that have read it People, I had some young people, uh, African Americans, Latinos who were who were able to connect with it, um, Italians as well, white people, people of all different races that would have approached me and said, you know this book is great. it helped me, it helped my son, my son's in jail. this is very helpful, things of that nature, which was good to hear because I was if I was able to touch somebody and me and John were able to make somebody's life a little bit, more easier to understand how to deal with the situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was happy I can do that. Nick, you've got a, a
0: fifth book in you. You're uh, working on it. Yes. Without taking too much away, if you're able to, can you talk a little bit about the the nature of this book? A little bit, a
1: teaser, maybe. Well, you know, the, I mentioned it a little bit before. Um, I'm the fifth book is is uh, I'm doing it along with. Uh, uh ex colombo family soldier Bill Cotolo Jr. Bill Cotolo right. Jr.'s father was uh Bill Wild Bill Cotolo, who was a boss in the Colombo family for a short time and then an oh, actor. Yeah. He was involved with the war in the 90, in the late uh, early nineties with Carmine Percigo. Yep. Um so me and Bill hooked up uh about a year or two ago. No about, about, sorry, about a year ago or so. And uh, Bill wanted to tell his side of the story, you know, about him, you know, growing up along his father, uh, surviving the war, and then deciding to wear a wire against the people that killed his father. Uh, so that's what the, that's what the, basically the, the uh, nutshell of the book is going to be about.
0: Okay. Now, one other thing here, uh, and then I'll throw it back to Dan. I am told that you, um that you kind of knew Vinny the Chin. They tell, they tell me that you knew Vincent the Chin Giganti. Uh,
1: I never had the pleasure. I wish I did.
0: Um, oh, man. So that story, is. I'm glad I didn't go there. Okay. So a so little birdie told me, <laughs> ask Nick about the chin. Because he said, the guy said, I think Nick knew the chin. So, so he, Dan will tell you. The chin has come up on the show a couple of times. He's one of our favorite mob characters. That is. The guy that was crazy like a fox. That he was. Daniel. Any more questions for Nick? Because you know we're going to bring him back for part two. Oh, yeah. I um, I I, I told him before part one. I said I'm taking it for part two. Go ahead, Dan. You know,
2: have, like I said, having, having read Prison Rules and enjoyed it, um, being, a, being a former corrections officer myself, I thoroughly enjoyed the narrative. And I liked the way it felt like someone telling a story. Um, so it's been an honor to speak to you, and I look forward to more questions down the road.
1: Oh, definitely, Dan. it been fun talking to you, too. And everything you got behind you, my son loves those things. <laughs> oh, you know, that, that's what we do. You know, uh, we started off this show, by
0: the way, Nick, uh, as a professional wrestling show. And we still, that's how we, you know, we make our bread and butter here. But the, it's funny because the most popular shows that we do are non wrestling shows. <laughs> it's yeah. funny. He, he, it really know, he, is. It's really interesting.
2: It's actually funny. We had you mentioned your your inspiration for writing was The Outsiders. Uh, just a few weeks ago, your your friend was the, he was the uh, the narrator for the audio version of The Outsiders.
1: Oh, really? Oh, that's interesting. Oh, that's cool. Very
2: mm-hmm. right. nice. So, shows coming together. Look at that.
1: Look at
0: yeah. That. <laughs> so I'll tell you what we are. Uh... We are definitely going to bring Nick Christophers back. I got to do part two. Again. This, we barely scratched the surface. I still got, let's see, I've got two more books to talk to you about. I got to talk to you about Destinies 2, and I got to talk to you more, more in
1: depth about Mafia Ties because I barely scratched the surface of that one. Yeah, I, yeah. And I, I still haven't told. And you mentioned about Vincent de I didn't, like I said, I didn't know him. I knew people around, I knew some of the guys around him. And I know a lot of other guys that I have, still haven't even mentioned to you yet. Well, yeah, I mean, we're going to get into that, too.
0: See, you always, this is why I said, that, and I told, just to let Dan know, I told Nick before we began, I said, you know, we're, we're always going to leave a little teaser to let people know you're coming back and there's a lot more to talk about. You, it's like, you know, it's like having uh, sex with a really pretty girl. You never want to give her everything you have the first date. Because then she won't come back for the second. Oh, man. You know? It could, it could so be, it, to, you know. You
1: know <laughs> yeah, so now you,
0: you, you, know, you butter her up on the first one. Now, when you bring her back for the second one, you can go all the way. Okay. Because we're Italian. We don't have no third bases. We just go from first to second.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I and mean, us Greeks, we just come from behind. There oh, you go. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I love this
0: man. You don't know. I love this man. Daniel, take us home, kid.
2: Oh man. Well, uh, this has been a great conversation. We we are uh, wrestling with the future. We can be found on YouTube. Uh, anywhere podcasts can be listened to. We have a Twitter page: wrestling at wrestling future no g at wrestling future. We're on Instagram: wrestling with the future podcast. We're on Facebook: wrestling with the future podcast. Uh, fan group and like i said we're uh, on anywhere podcasts can be listened to including several radio and syndicated radio networks and on uh, international television so we are moving along and um nick uh obviously your books are on amazon nick christopher's uh any, any any uh google of your search of your name brings up all your writings and i recommend having read two of them personally your stuff is amazing so shout out to you for that
0: absolutely yeah let's uh Tell Nick uh, um, that he's welcome back for part two. We're going to bring him back. The oh, books are de- Destinies uh, the, de- I'm sorry, Destinies Destinies 2, No Honor Among Thieves, uh, Prison Rules, and Mafia Ties Inside the Greek Mob Until next time everybody, take care of yourself take care of each other. Happy wrestling everybody we'll see you next time Thank you